Okay, so let's get into the word this morning. This morning, um, the title of the message is, How Do We Have a Relationship with Christ? How do we have a relationship with Christ? So Palm Sunday, as Pastor Robert said, is coming up. Easter Holy Week is upon us. And sometimes with these holidays, we can get very religious um, with them and kind of forget what it all really means. We are pretty much tempted every single day to just fall into um, religious habits is what I'm going to call them this morning. We can fall into religious habits and then still not have a real relationship with Christ. Um, And if we believe that Christ is our Savior, genuine relationship should be something that is a constant every single day. So you're saying, so how do I do that, right? So that's what that's the title of this message, basically. So, um, I mean, if we even look at our daily habits and everything that we do, right? Every, I mean, I look at my my daily routine. If we seriously look at our daily routine, we do things out of habit. We don't. We rarely do things out of our habit. The way we wake up in the morning, um, the things that we grab before we leave. We do it because it's something that we just, we just, it's just automatic. We just do them. And so when it comes to um, religion and when it comes to our relationship with Christ, which is the basis of what we believe here um, at, our, at our church, excuse me, at our church, um, we d- we want to not do it out of religious habit, but we want to do it out of real, genuine relationship with Christ. Because what happens is that if we continue to, to run, you know, just go through the motions, you know, we can so easily do that and just run through the motions, we'll get bored with our relationship and we'll think that it's not working for us or that it doesn't work at all. Which is why our relationship with Christ and how we connect with God is extremely important. So, in order, so sometimes what we think is, um, in a lot of, in our, and even in our mind, I, I think I, I do this sometimes too. You know, we think that the moment that we say, "Oh, that God is my Savior, God is my everything," that I'm good, I'm okay, I have a relationship with Christ. But there's a maintaining, there's a staying in, in the relationship, there is a continuous connection with God. And you think, well, I read my Bible every morning and I pray every morning. But this can also just become a religious habit. It can just be something that we just do. We, we have to realize that our praying in the morning, yes, is good. We need to do that. We have to continue to talk to God. But do we continue to talk to God throughout the day? This is prayer. Are our hearts connected with God in our, even, even in our sleeping? You know, how is that relationship going? 
And this is where we really begin to see when we have that relationship with Christ, we really begin to see that God, wow, God is just, we, he becomes more alive to us. He becomes more awesome to us. We, we will we'll fear him more when we have this. So how do we do this, right? This is, and I'm, I'm going to come to it. Um, this is the question that we're going to answer today. And we're going to study and we're going to read Jesus as a man on earth having a relationship with God the Father. And this is basically us. We are human beings. We're, we're finite beings having a relationship with an in, infinite God, with an eternal God who is both beginning and end. And how do we do this? How do we stay connected? How do we maintain I'm going to kind of relate it to marriage, right? When we get married, our marriage doesn't begin and end at the I do, right? It, does, it doesn't. We have to maintain and we have to keep connection with our partner, with our spouse in order for that marriage to work. Same thing with our salvation. When we got saved and we said I do to Christ, it was not the beginning and the end of our relationship with Christ, we have to continue pressing. So I'm going to use Philipp. We're going to go to Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. And I want us to see something here. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. And I'm, I'm going to read the whole thing, but our concentration really is only going to be on verses 5 through 9. There's going to be a reason why I want us to read the whole thing, though. I want us to really get the the whole picture of something okay i'm going to read it kind of fast because it's a long passage therefore if there is any consolation in christ if any comfort of love if any fellowship of the spirit if any affection and mercy fulfill my joy by being like-minded having the same love being of one accord of one mind let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit but in loneliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men." And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name, which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven, on those on earth and those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Like I said, the concentration is going to be on verses 5 through 9. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, and so forth. We are looking at this passage because it tells us what Christ's mind is. It tells us how Christ, being man, related to God and humanity. It tells us something about relationship. 
And in order to have a right relationship with a being, with anybody, even with human beings, we have to be like-minded. Amen? If we don't have the same mind with anybody, then we cannot be in relationship with that person. So if you see the scripture, it says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. The preceding verses talked about selfish ambition, conceit. Um, you know, we can read it all over again. If there's any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit. So that means if we have any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love. What love? The love of Christ. What mind? The mind of Christ. Being of one accord. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition, so forth. Esteem each other better um, than himself. This is the mind of Christ. So, Let's, so let's look at that because this, this will help us have a deeper relationship with Christ. It'll help us have a more intimate relationship with Christ. It, will, it can even renew your relationship with Christ. You know, even us human beings, if we don't see the same, we can't be in relationship with a person. If that person has different views and different principles, that's how they make this decision. We can't vibe with that person, right? We can't click with that person. It is the same thing with God. If we don't have that same mind, then we can't click with him. We can't vibe with him. We can't operate with him, right? So what is that mind? Humility. It is humility. All the previous verses that were there talk about humility. What is humility? Simply said, humility is being humble. Humility is being humble. But what does it mean to be humble? It is knowing that you or we are not more important than anyone else. And I think this goes for not only between believers, but it also applies to unbelievers. And more so to unbelievers. Why? Because unbelievers will be looking at us constantly. Whether we, whether we know it or not, people crave to know who God is. And if we are the if they're looking at us to say that we, you know, oh, they believe in God, they say they believe in God, but they can't, they're so arrogant, they're so prideful, and they think that they're the only ones, that they're the best, you know. This will not minister to others. Knowing that you are not more important than anyone else. Humble people can relate to different kinds of people. No matter where they come from, no matter how they look, no matter how they smell, no matter how different cultures they may have from you, different habits they may have from you, from us, but we respect each other because we are all humans. We all came the same way, 
we all suffer similar things together. This pandemic has proved it, that we can summer, doesn't matter how much money we have, doesn't matter the economic status, social status, we all suffer the same. Amen. And it's something that as Christians, we have to have that mind, that we, ha- we must be humble people. So some things about humility. So let's discuss this a little bit so that we understand it better. So the first thing I wanted to stress about humility is we can be confident and humble. We can be confident and humble. They are not mutually exclusive. Humbleness does not mean that you don't have confidence in who you are. Jesus was a very confident man. He knew who he was and he was not ashamed of saying that he was equal with God. Is that not what scripture says? Who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. He was unashamed. Why? Because he knew who he was, who he served, and what his purpose was. He was very confident. If we were to meet somebody with some conf- that much confidence, sometimes we would be even tempted to say he was arrogant. But there is a difference between being confident and being arrogant. And please, let's not confuse it. Okay? Being confident just means you know who you are and you are very sure of that. You don't have the need. I'm going to talk about it a little bit further. I don't want to go ahead. But you have no need to compete with another person. You have no need to be jealous. And envy is not even there because you are so sure of yourself. Yeah, this is confidence. But, you see, there's a big but in scripture, right? There's that big but. It even causes a whole new verse. Verse 7, but made himself of no reputation. And this is how confidence and humility balance themselves off. But made himself of no reputation. He wasn't going around. He He knows who he is. He knows he's all-powerful. He knows he is God, but in a, in a man's body, but yet didn't use it to go around parading and wearing gold and, and, and wearing, you know, all this pomposity and being arrogant and telling people that they need to bow down to him and they need to do what he said because he's God and because he's all-powerful, right? Was this how he came? No, but he was confident. He didn't make himself a reputation of saying that he is God. His reputation was actually, they thought he was either crazy. He was crazy. He was nuts. Maybe he was God. Maybe he was just a teacher or a prophet. There was so much rumor. So much was going on. But he he didn't even, he didn't mind them at all. This means that he was not, not out to be abusive with his power. Or trying to win people over with lies, power, or charm. Which he could have. He could have, but he chose, he chose not to. Having true confidence. In order to have true confidence, we need to know. For Christians to have true confidence, we need to know that we are found in Christ. Our confidence is in Christ. We know 
what God has given us. We know what role we play in the kingdom of God. And we know that God will always come through for us. Proverbs 14, 26 says, In the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence and his children will have a place of refuge. So we can be both confident and humble. Our next point on humility. When humility is practiced, we do nothing from a place of selfish ambition. When humility is practiced, we do nothing from a selfish ambition. That's Philippians um, in verse 3, right? It says, um, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in loneliness of mind, let each esteem other, others better than himself. Selfish ambitions are ambitions that we want to accomplish irregardless of who we hurt, who we have to step on, or what we have to compromise in order to get what we want. Any ambition that comes from abusing any power and title are selfish ambitions. And we all hold different types of titles. It doesn't matter who we are or what we do. We have certain power. We have, especially more so Christians, we have certain power and certain authorities um, and graces that God has given us. And to abuse those for our own gain is selfish ambition. Galatians 5, 19 to 20. Now the works of the flesh are evident. These are works of the flesh, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, and heresies. Selfish ambitions is listed along with adultery, fornication, and hatred. This is how much God does not approved does actually hates it it is a work of the flesh humility is respecting others irregardless of position financial social or educational status it is looking out for the interests of others before your own this does not mean that you lack self-care or not educated or you don't grow in any particular status. It doesn't mean that you stop growing. It doesn't mean that you don't ed get educated. It doesn't mean that it is bad to gain financial blessings for yourself. It doesn't mean that, but it does matter how you do it or how we do it, okay? Next one. Humility makes us more peaceful and more Christ-like. Romans twelve three. For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Proverbs 22, 4. By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. With humility, we avoid comparing ourselves with others and keep ourselves from trying to compete with others in monetary gain or lifestyle. Humility keeps us content and satisfied. It makes us more at peace. We know when we have humility, we know that God will come through for us.
And we already explained why is this more important to have a relationship with Christ. You can't have a relationship with someone who has a different kind of mind. The relationship will be non-existent. Being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. How do we have a relationship with an eternal, all-powerful God? Be humble and think of others better than yourselves and be confident in who you are and whose you are. The mind of Christ. Next point. The next thing we could take from this. Are, are, we, are we following here? The next thing that I see when I'm reading this scripture, it just it, it popped out at me. Bond servant. Bond servant. To have a relationship with an eternal Christ, we have to be bond servants. What does that mean? Pastor Steve touched on it. I like how Pastor Steve really explained bond servant. I'm going to just go over it again. And bond servant actually speaks of the attitude of Christ. The attitude of Christ. Verse 7. Verse 7. He made himself no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. Taking the form of a bondservant. What is a bondservant? A bondservant was someone who freely served his master as a slave. He would become part of the master's household. He is a permanent slave. It is done out of free will. So I know that the word slave has a very negative connotation in our culture. But during this time period, we have to understand that slaves were a huge part of their culture. It was a norm. It is a normal back then. It was said that a third of the Roman, po- a third of the Roman population were slaves. The other third of the population were former slaves. Okay, and slavery happened because you wanted to pay a debt. And sometimes the, the person with their family and everything liked where they were, they loved their master, and they wanted to stay. So they did it out of free will, which is why they would become bond servants. Right, this is how Pastor Steve explained it. Um, and the other third were the upper class. So it would be appropriate to use this word to describe certain attitudes or relationships to get a point or a thought across in scripture. What is the position of a bondservant? So let's look at Christ. Christ, out of his free will, serves God the Father and does his bidding. He was so obedient that he was obedient to the point of death. For us, it means we freely serve God in our soul, in our actions, in our attitudes. We freely serve God and do his work because we love him and we can't see ourselves to live without him. We want to permanently abide to live with him out of our own free will and volition. Nobody should twist your arm 
We shouldn't come to Christ because we are scared of going to hell, but rather because we know who God is. We have a revelation of Christ and we want to serve him out of free will. That means we are bond servants. Christ was a bond servant. And you see, my sister has talked about this before and maybe Pastor Robert as well. Muslims will give their life to what they believe. How much will we give ourselves for what we believe? Obedience. This is obedience. And it may sound evil, but when we serve a God who is so loving, who takes care of us, all the blessings that we see and that we partake in, the peace that we are able to live when the rest of the world can't. So it's so it's so much. Why will we not want to serve God if there is nothing else? We have to, you know, we all need to come to a point in our relationships where we go, I can't live without him. If I don't have him, there's no point for me to live. Amen. This is Christ's attitude. He and he's he's a man. He's a son of God and he's a man, but he still had that attitude of a bondservant. He said, "I want to be with my God. I want to be with my Father, and I will do as he tells me to do." The scripture says it before. He does only what he sees his father do. He says only what he sees his father, what he hears his father say. Obedience, bondservanthood. Being a bondservant of God is a noble title. If God can call call you his bondservant and friend, it is a great honor. God called Abraham, Joshua, the king of David, and Isaiah, the prophet, all servants in scripture, including Jesus. He is called a bondservant. Paul referred to himself as a bondservant. We should all consider ourselves bondservants. What we sometimes fail to understand in our everyday is that we choose who we obey. One way or the other, we will serve something. There is no way of escape. The question we have to ask ourselves is who will we choose to serve? Do we choose to serve God, money, man, position, etc., and so forth? Whoever we choose essentially becomes our God. We can even choose ourselves. If we decide that we will be God in our own eyes, then we are obeying ourselves and what we want and how we see fit. We become God in our own eyes. So obedience and relationship with Christ is going to be a big, a big thing. Why not? Why not? Will we not rather choose to serve an all-powerful and all-loving God who loves us more than we can love ourselves, who sees the beginning from the end and always has our best interests at heart and always has our back? 
Why would I not want to serve a God that can see my future and knows what's the best decision for me? Why would I not want to serve such a God? Why would I not want to serve a God that gave his only begotten son so that he can die on the cross so his blood can cleanse me and that I could have spiritual authority and I can live in peace and I can have all the blessings that I have now? Why would I not want to serve such a God? Amen. The last thing, a bondservant only has one master. A bondservant only has one master. Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. We will always serve something. This is something that we need to understand. We will always serve something. Why not choose God? Why not choose to be obedient to God? In our obedience, in, in, our, in our bond servanthood, there is what um, I've been saying it over and over is obedience, right? There's an obedience to it. So that's going to be my last point. Obedient obedient and this is what we do this is uh, we are looking at the actions of Christ obedience verse 8 and being found in appearance as a man he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death even death on a cross If God is obedient to himself, then we can be obedient too. Jesus was a good son. He obeyed his father all the way. He did what his father did. He said everything his father said. This is more of the reason he could say that I, that him and his father are one. This is why he could say that. And he could say it unashamedly. He could say it with such great confidence. Because he obeyed his father. Another uh, example of Jesus' obedience. Matthew three thirteen to 15. That Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him saying, I need to be baptized by you and you are coming to me. But Jesus answered and said to him, permit it to be so now. For thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. You see everything working together. It's, I, I see his bond servanthood. I see his obedience. I see his humility. This is the Christ that we serve. And to have that relationship with Christ... These are some things, the characteristics that I, when we look at Philippians chapter 2, we need to ask ourselves these questions. We need to deepen them. It's not that we are wrong necessarily at any level, but it's something that we, we should just think about so that we don't become those Christians that just do things out of routine and out of habit, out of religiosity, because we want to look good. Right, We want to say that we are Christians. The more we obey God, the more we will understand him 
and the more we will grow close to him. Our level of obedience determines our closeness to God. If you've ever asked yourself, I want to grow closer to God, we have to look at our level of obedience. If God can trust you with small, then he can trust you with big. This is with everything and anything, even in our own jobs. If our boss sees that we can take something small, small responsibility, and and do such a great job with it, absolutely shine with it, why would he not want to give you more more responsibility, higher pay, and, and, and so forth? Why would he not want to do that? In our relationship with Christ, the more that he sees that he could trust us to obey in our every day, the more that he will, the more he will give us, right? In a sense, the more close we'll grow, the more we will understand him. Because when we, there's a wisdom in obedience. When we obey the simple word of God, then you will begin to see why he would say something right? It's like our parents. Sometimes we didn't understand why our parents didn't want us to go out at night, right? We're like, oh, but I just want to have fun. I want to have fun. I want to hang out with my friends. I want to go out past midnight. And we're too young. We're too young for that. We're going, and our parents would say, no, it's not good. We don't understand. But the more we obeyed our parents and stayed, as we grew older, we realized, oh, wow, it's dangerous out there. It's bad to hang out that late at night. It's bad to do certain things. The more we obey, the more wiser we become. And the more we will understand who God is. If any of us feel far from God, it's our level of obedience. What is the last thing he said to you? What was the last thing God said to us that we haven't done yet? Maybe that's why we feel so far away from God. Genesis chapter 22, verse 13. Obedience also speaks to our level of faith and trust in God. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. God had said to him, Abraham, I want you to sacrifice your only son and give him to me. Abraham obeyed. And remember I said Abraham was called his servant. God called Abraham his servant. Even though this might have a bad, a bad, um, Uh, thinking we have a bad thinking towards being a servant but when it comes to relationship with God this is actually a noble title to have it's a good thing for God to also call us his servant it means he can trust us as well the next thing under that is to do his word do his word just doing that, I said that before, doing the simplicity of his word. James 1, 23 to 24. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, 
He is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror, for he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. I'm going to put it like this in our terminology so we kind of understand this a little better. It's like looking in the mirror, seeing you have poop on your face, looking at it, then turning away from the mirror, doesn't do any, you don't do anything to it, and you walk about all day with that on your face, forgetting that it was even there. This is what that scripture is. That is what it means to hear the word and then not do it. This is obedience also. This is what it looks like to God. You know, you know that you are wrong, but you are still going to do what you know what you know is wrong to do. It's like having poop on your face and walking around like that all day. It doesn't look good. It's disgusting. It's disgusting to God. We can't simply come to his altar, hear his word, be in his presence, and not obey what he tells us. We should leave with something that we will put into practice or work on. This is obedience. It doesn't mean that you immediately are, because some things are just harder than others to do. Now, we all understand that. But it's recognizing that, oh, wow, you know, I need to work on this. And then just praying to God for God to give you the grace to overcome. You know, it's about knowing that there's something there and you're asking God to help you. And God, in his love and in, in all his goodness, will give you the strength you know, we, that's why he tells us that we are righteous. That's why he gives us um, so many spiritual blessings. Because he understands this process. The last thing. Obedience also determines our maturity in the Lord. The more we grow in our relationship with Christ, the more obedient we are to God's word. Remember that whatever you obey is what your master is. Whatever we obey becomes our master. And we can, we choose every day what we obey, whether we realize it or not. We make certain decisions and certain um, practices that we put into our day based on what we obey, what we consider to be. Um, what we consider to have mastery over us. Amen? So I'm, I'm wrapping up here. So in order for us to have a relationship with an all-powerful God, humility, obedience to God, and serving Him as bondservant is how we will continue to stay in relationship with Him, maintain our relationship with Him, and grow deeper with Him. It's right here in Philippians. After we say our due to Christ, after we believe that he is our savior, we have to deepen our relationship with Christ, not only for ourselves, but also for the rest of the world, that others may see our relationship with Christ and want the same thing that we have. Amen. Let's not simply go through the motions of being called Christians, but let's actually be Christians. Hallelujah. And I've come to the end 
of the sermon. I want us to pray this morning. I don't know where you are. I don't know how your relationship with Christ is. But I am going to tell you that God loves you deeply. And God wants to have a deeper relationship with you. He's calling to your heart. He wants to know he wants you to know him better. His doors are wide open for each and every single one of us. If you feel that you're dry and you need God to touch you, we're going to pray. If you want a deeper relationship with him, I pray that you heard something that God spoke to you. And I pray for great grace for you. Let's pray this morning. Lord, I just thank you and I give you praise, Lord God, for this word. I pray that it admonishes us, Lord God, that it encourages us to to go further with you, Lord God, to have you to be our master, to be our Lord in each and every single aspect of our life. I see that there are some aspects of our lives that we have not given to you, Lord God. This morning in faith, give it to God this morning. Place it on his altar this morning and be an obedient child, knowing that your God will always have your back. Lord, we give you our hindrances and our weaknesses this morning, and we pray for great grace, Lord God, to overcome. May we grow deeper, Lord, in our relationship with you, Lord God, and receive healing, Lord from the bondages of the enemy, from the bondages of this world that have held us heavy, O Lord God. Because when we serve you, Lord, we are free. And I pray in the name of Jesus that your people would find freedom, Lord God, in your relationship with you, in the name of Jesus. I pray for healing, Lord God, for those that are hurting this morning, in the name of Jesus where they find that they have no friend, they can have a friend in you, Lord God. And I thank you and I give you praise, Lord God, that we will deepen our relationship with you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 God bless you guys. God bless you. Over to you, Pastor Robert.